Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So welcome, everybody. Uh, This is going to be another empowering chat. I'm we both of us agreed we can't wait to see what comes out of our mouths today. Um, I am going to be speaking with Sue Frederick. Sue, thanks for joining me. Oh, such an honor to be here with you today. So I your book, so Susan author, among many other accomplishments, which hopefully we'll get into some of those. Um, but her book is called Through a Divine Lens: Practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul. So um before we dive into the book, Sue, can you just give everybody a little bit about your background? Because you've got bits and pieces of all the work you do in this book with stories that are, are really interesting. So tell everybody what, you, what you're up to right now besides being an author. Well, the most important part of my story is that my beautiful husband, Paul Frederick, died in my arms when I was 29. And it changed my life forever. It sent me on my spiritual awakening journey as grief does for all of us. And for me, it was about seeking the answers to why are we here on earth? What is our purpose? Where do we go when we die? And why am I still here after Paul crossed? And those questions, I think, are the important questions of life. And they took me on a journey of studying Buddhism and Hinduism and eventually being a unity minister and a master numerologist because numerology answered so many of those questions for me. And then helping clients by doing this kind of work with clients for more than 20 years. So that's kind of a summary. (laughs) I love that you added in numerology. I, I don't I know of numerology. I like to talk to people that know about numerology because it is a, it's, I want to say it's a divine science, isn't it? It is. I love that you say divine. Do you know there's a lot of very successful numerologists who don't consider it sacred? They consider numerology and even astrology to be these random imprints that our soul gets when we, you know, fly through the universe and randomly land on Earth. And I see it completely differently than that, you know? <laughs> I, I think we're on the same page because I see it as a sacred, uh, yes. divine, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a divining rod in, in many ways, right? Well, it so- saved my life when I was 29 turning 30 and I'd watched my beautiful mountain climbing husband die of cancer and he suffered terribly. And then the following year, my best childhood girlfriend died of leukemia. I needed to know why. And a numerologist sat with me for an hour and changed my life. And now that's what I get to do with clients, to say, this is the path you came in to learn from and to offer your gifts to the world through. And these are the soul agreements you have with everyone, including the people who broke your heart. And this is where you are in your reinvention cycles and how to move forward. That's what numerology can tell us. 
Yes. And so in your book, Through a Divine Lens, it you talk about uh, the soul path. I, 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 first of all, okay, everybody, it, it's a really great book. I, I want everybody to know that it's it's juicy. You've got personal stories, but you've also got stories of other clients, and and then you have meditations in there that are are really helpful. Um, and the way you write is just beautiful, Sue. I'm just gonna. So now I'm gooing all over you, but thank you for um, saying that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> but so through a divine lens, let's talk about that um, because I agree with you. We are here for a reason. There is really, there's no random nothing in in the in the entire uh, consciousness of the universe. Totally it's all right. it's all orchestrated, divinely guided, all of that. So, through a divine lens, uh, let's talk about that versus um, quieting your ego, your ego yeah. lens. Well, that term started, um, I had been out teaching a lot of <clears throat> grief-shifting workshops for people where I was helping them um, have their own connection to their departed, guiding them through meditations and automatic writing. And I love that work because everyone who's grieving can connect to their departed. You don't need mediums or people like me. So I love teaching that. <clears throat> and I flew home from Kripalu Retreat Center, where I'd been teaching that for three days. And I got back to Colorado, where I lived uh, at the time, and woke up really sick the next morning and got really high fever. And I've always left my body very quickly and easily, <laughs> which is not always a great thing, but that's right. been how it is for me. And one night in that fever, I was brought out of my body. And if you can see this vision, the angels and the guides showed me planet Earth from a distance, and they showed me all these sparks of light shooting up into the universe. And I said, what, are, what is that? What are those sparks of light? And they said, every time a soul on Earth wakes up to remember that there is divine being, and it's all about compassion and love and awakening, a huge light sparks up from their soul and then it sparks another light of another soul. And they were showing me this moving light around the earth. And they said, what you have to teach is you've got to teach people in these next few years, it's going to get very tough. And people are going to not believe that the light is winning and not believe that love is winning. But it always is. And you have to teach that, that the light is always winning. That's the divine lens view of life. And I woke up with that and just started writing right away because I'm a lifetime writer. And that book you're holding came through me. So I, I love it. So, and I got to tell you, when I read that in your book, man, I got, I got energy just shooting through me. I'm like, it gave me hope, Sue, because I've, uh, all right, this is just a sidebar, but I've been struggling. I'm, yes. I am. I am a light leader. I teach others how to be light leaders in this new uh, evolutionary paradigm we're experiencing here on Earth. And so when you said that about the d the divine light going off when one individual aligns with uh, their higher consciousness, 
you don't have to necessarily leave the planet for that light to go on, right? Right, right. You can simply even just go through a day where wherever you go, you're sending out love and the awareness that we're all souls on a journey doing our best. And these times, it's harder than ever to do that. But that's what we're being called to do. And it's been a huge shift for me because back in the 80s, I was a journalist. I covered news for a small newspaper in Boulder, Colorado. And I've always been really in, you know, I was always very invested in the news and respect of journalists. And in the last few years, all of that world has completely gotten chaotic and crazy. And I have had to learn a whole different thing because I I was here in the 60s. I marched against the Vietnam War. I was part of all that. And I thought, oh, that's what we do now. We we convince other people that we have the right ideas and we change the world. That is not the lesson on the table (laughs) because it's not working. And so I've had to learn, oh, no matter what somebody believes, I have to see the soul in them. Or you can say it the unity way, I have to see the all good, all God universe in every Mm -hmm. person. And that is so hard right now. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a literally minute by minute challenge for it me. Is. It is for me. And I and I don't watch the news and everything's amping up in America right now. I just so I, I, my gut is constantly in turmoil uh, because I can feel it. Yes. So so let's talk about the ego lens that you you speak about because this is part of what that is, right? Yeah. The, Trying to change people's minds to be in alignment with your ideals isn't right, is not why we're here. But and that paradigm used to work in the world, you know. And if you even go back to World World War II, that's what that was about. But now we're at a whole new level of consciousness evolving where we get beyond the mind, we get beyond the ego, and we purely have to be heartfelt soul beings who see that everybody here is a beautiful soul doing their best. And some of us are very lost and some of us are very much in the light, but we have to all help each other come to the light right now. So for me, the ego is the part of us that, you know, Susan, if you and I were hanging out in the divine realms before this lifetime and we said, you know, they need help down there, they're at a big tipping point hey, are we willing to go down to earth and incarnate and and go through all that pain and struggle in order to help out? And we both said yes to that. I know. I'm going to talk to somebody when I when I get on the other side again and just, just verify that because this this time is it's not as painful as past lifetimes for me. But oh, boy, I, I'm like, when, when do I get to just like not. I agree. And so we agreed to it, though, and we set up our numerology soul mission, everything (laughs) perfectly for us, for our growth. And then we dropped in here and we knew that we were going to stay for this very hard shift. And right before we jumped in, you know, the guides said, don't forget, you have to have a human mind when you get down there, as well as your soul's voice. But the human mind is filled with ego, and it's very loud. And we were hanging out in the divine realms where everything is love and light. We went, oh, don't worry. We got it. We won't listen to the ego. We'll listen to the soul. 
<laughs> yeah. Now we dropped in and it's like, holy, holy H, this is tough. And so the ego emerges as the part of us that thinks it's going to keep us safe and alive here in this mm-hmm. tough, dense realm of Earth. And it says, be very afraid, be very anxious. This world is all about competition. You have to steamroll the people who stand in your way or get more money or more toys in order to survive. And meanwhile, the culture is agreeing with that and going, yeah, it's all about success and money and greed. And we have to go, whoa, I am quieting my mind through meditation because that has gotten me nowhere. And now I'm beginning to listen finally to the intuitive soul in me that's always been saying, hey, don't argue with that person. You're not helping them by arguing. You know, don't stand in their way. Just love on them. And as we finally shift into that, all of us are being called to do it. The ego finally begins to be a little quieter and the soul's voice gets a little louder. And every day, that's what we have to work on. And it is a work. It's a work in progress all the time. I, you know, I, at one point during my spiritual uh, questing, I there was an idea in the back of my mind, which wasn't true, but at the time I thought it was. What the, you know that once I get to the mountaintop, right, it'll it'll be fine. Right. But you know, I I've gone up and down mountains, and it's still. You know, it's I know. Like, I man. yeah. Like we, and plus, numerology lays out for us that we all have re- nine year reinvention cycles. And, you know, they can really kick our butt no matter how well we're doing. And it's on purpose because we're all here to change and grow. There's no such thing as happily ever after. There's no such thing as, oh, I got it made now. I'm just going to cruise or I'm just going to retire. All those myths about being human on Earth. No, your soul said every moment that you're here on Earth, you're going to be growing, expanding and evolving. And the more you resist that, the more painful it will be. <laughs> oh, my God. I can attest to that. So I want to read something in your book, Sue, about uh, the ego mind that you wrote. Um, you just said it, but I'm going to reiterate. The ego mind tells you you're here to win, manipulate, accumulate, conquer, protect, defend. The divine lens shows you the grand view of your soul's perspective. It reveals that you agreed to be born in this lifetime, to face these exact moments of crisis and view them with love, gratitude, and wisdom. So that's hard. How do you, how, how, how do, you do that, Sue? Yeah. How do you like know? You know, and you you talk about having your heart broken uh, 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 with your with your husband passing away and your friends, but there's other other ways that people have their hearts broken and right. and. How how do you how do you love through that? I know. And here's the thing: if you knew my life, actually, I wrote a memoir about it because I used to tell people about my life story, and they'd go, "No, that can't be true. You couldn't have gone through all that, you know." And so I wrote it in a memoir that's on Amazon. It's called Water Oak: The Happiness of Longing, because I agreed to go through a lot of pain on this in this lifetime, and I think the reason I agreed to it is that I'm a very stubborn soul. You know, you can say strong, but I think it's really a lot of stubbornness. 
And I think in other lifetimes, I had kind of put dug my feet in on the ground and kind of refused to, to grow as much as I needed to. And this time they said, you know, the biggest thing to open your heart down there is grief and loss. So we're going to stack that in there so that every time you think you got it going on, there's going to be some grief and loss to break you open again and get you back in touch with your heart. So what I've learned from that, and I'm in my 70s now and I'm still learning, is that grief and loss are our greatest teachers. And mm -hmm. I've been, once Paul died, I was single in my 30s, and the greatest heartbreak of my life was the bad partners I chose <laughs> for many years because I was in my grief making wrong choices with men. And finally, it really wasn't until my 50s that I found the man that, I, that I'm with today that I raised our children with and had a family. But all of that heartbreak plus career struggle showed me that I have to meditate twice a day. I always tell people, you do what you need to do, but if I don't sit and meditate and quiet the mind twice a day, I'm a crazy person. My ego takes control. My fear takes control. Yeah. So... So I have to do that. And I have done that since the 70s, twice a day. And then it's more than that now. Now you also have to be in the silence, listening to guidance from spirit. This is so easy for anyone to do. And here's how it works for me. I will find myself upset. Maybe I'm out doing errands and I live in a place that's um, right now I live in Arizona and so there's a whole lot of political upheaval here. And I might be out doing errands and I suddenly get upset about something I see or experience. Ah, and then I have to say, all right, Paul, departed loved ones, angels, guides, lift me up above this. Open my heart. Show me a different way to see it. And the minute we call out for that, we are lifted into our higher consciousness so you don't even have to meditate if you can just consistently call out for help and guidance when you feel that you're in trouble. We're surrounded by loving beings in the spirit world who want to help us, but we have to ask for help because they're not allowed to interfere with us, right? Because of free will. Right. See, you get it. When yeah. we come here, we agree that free will, we get to choose how we're going to feel and how we're going to behave no matter what our destiny is that we set up for ourselves is our great potential, right? We're choosing every day with free will if we're going to step up to that or if we're going to wallow in our pain and grief and be angry and blameful at the world. Well, for the time I have left on earth, I am trying to pass my soul review test that I've got at the end of this life. Yeah, there's a whole lot of material here to make me have to step up, you know, and every day I mess it up. I can honestly say that. And then every day I realign and try to open my heart and do better and be better. I love that, Sue. I, I love that. Now, do you feel that because you meditate, I meditate once a day, I do a kind of a closure at the end of the day, but I don't meditate. So do you, do you find that being able in the moment to access the higher realms is because you meditate twice a day? I don't know the answer to that. I think I've always had a pretty strong right brain consciousness since I was a kid. I was the weird kid. I was not the 
president of the class or the cheerleader, you know. I was the intuitive, sensitive writer back in the 50s and 60s when that was not an acceptable thing. Wow. I'm very grateful for my Catholic childhood because I was raised by a convent of mercy, sister of mercy uh, nuns all through the 50s and 60s until I left home for college in 1969. And I know they weren't perfect, and I certainly don't agree with so many of the Catholic principles, but those nuns saw my sensitivity and they saw my gift for writing so early on. And they made me the school poet, you know, they just kept encouraging that. And if I had gone to a regular public school, I would have been so diminished because I couldn't pass hardly a multiple choice test. Uh, my left brain didn't work that way. But mm -hmm. you give me an essay to write or a paper to write or a poem to write, and I will just download amazing stuff, you know? And that's what the nuns were all about back then. So I'm so grateful for that. And then when I went out in the real world, I had to learn how to embrace my left brain logic mind. And that's always been my challenge. But I will say to anybody listening that the minute you, and especially if you know you have a father or a husband or a daughter or a child in the spirit world, you have to trust me because I, I've worked with hundreds of grieving parents and grieving people. Their departeds are there trying to help them as yours are. Our problem is we dismiss it as coincidence or, you know, oh, that couldn't be real. That's not logical. And that's what keeps us miserable and closed down and stuck. But the minute we can say, hey, beautiful departed loved one, show me something that lets me know you're here with me now. They are going to give it to you in spades to help you. And that's our greatest healing gift. I love that. So I have a question about that, though. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so there is, there is, in your experience, oh, you know what I'm going to ask already. You know it. Uh, I can see it on your face. In, in your experience, when um, people cross over, they generally cross into the atmosphere of consciousness that is all love, right? Now, what about the people that weren't necessarily the, 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 the lovingness that are our relatives that then, you know, do they immediately become love when they cross yeah. over I'm and then so, it's okay I'm so to talk happy. to them? I'm so happy to talk about this because it's something I've literally studied every day of my life since 1980, and Paul has come through to answer that, and Chrissy, and so many departed souls. And here's what I believe now. I believe that the minute we leave the body, and even before I've worked with so many souls, and I've had so many experiences where even before the final death you know, of the body, the soul is already leaving and going out and meeting with the highest guides, the highest council, and doing a soul review. Now, a soul review is the most important thing to understand. It is not punishing. It is not the way traditional religion says, oh, you did terrible, you have to go to hell. It's not even the way the Buddhists teach, where they say, ah, endless cycle of reincarnation, you had an angry thought, you have to go back, you know? <laughs> All of that is punishing dogma, and none of it is true. 
the minute we leave the body, we are held by these loving beings, like the beings who showed me planet Earth. They are so, there is love there that is so different from love on Earth. And you just bask in it and they go, let's look at your life. Look at all the ripple effect of your actions, your words, your emotions, some of it terrible, some of it good. And the soul's wisdom in us sees that and goes, oh, now I understand. I forgot when I was down there. And now we feel, we lift up then and we go, we meet with the council and we say, I want to help them. I feel terrible about how I behaved. And we'll kind of be appointed a certain job. For example, an abusive father will then become like a guardian angel for the people that they abuse. Wow, that's good to know, actually. Yes, and we'll open doors for them, we'll help them with their career, we'll help them with their relationships. Of course, the grieving person will not think that their father is behaving that way and holds them in a lower memory of who they were on earth. But in our soul consciousness, we learn and we grow and we get better. However, I will add to that that the Hindus and the Buddhists talk about the bardo, the the lower right. astral realm of lost souls. And I've even had personal experience of traveling out of my body and sort of moving through that arena. But here's what I know now is that the minute any of those souls would open their heart and agree to look for love, to feel love, to look for light, to go to the light, they are instantly lifted out of there. It's another free will choice. And if somebody has spent lifetimes in hatred and negativity, then even when the guides come to get them at the end of the life, they're going to, you know, go go away. You know, they're just going to be locked in that negativity. But the loved ones and the guides never give up on a soul. And so that soul is constantly being called to the light and to the love. It is our choice even then. So this goes back to uh, the vision you saw when you had that fever and the light uh, connections, because even when we're embodied, we're being called to the light, right? Yes, yes. That does give me so much relief, Sue, because... I, I was falling a, about a month ago. I was in the pit of despair. Oh, I understand. You know, yeah. wondering really, is it is it worth it? I you know, know to I continue know. to be that. But and then going back to the the um, the loved ones transmuting as as quickly as they um, can through their life review, because I, I appreciate that too. Because as you were speaking, I heard very clearly that it's time for me to forgive my mother because she really wants to help me because so good in this lifetime while she was a good mom she was also a narcissist so i got trained up at an early age to be surrounded by other narcissists and be married to one and so my anger but let me help you see this a different way okay and by the way you need to read my memoir because <laughs> i had the same mother <laughs> oh god i think we I, when you were talking about being stubborn and digging your heels in, I was I was thinking, you know, I should show you the brown on the bottom of my heels from <laughs> being so stubborn. Okay. <laughs> so right before we dropped in, we said, 
all right, well, one of the negative patterns I'm trying to break in this lifetime is being selfish and and mean to others. Maybe I've behaved that way in other lives. So I'm going to have this soul that I've been in many lifetimes with be my mom, and she'll push those old negative patterns on me, and I'll be, again, angry and self-doubting and all kinds of stuff that come with that pattern because I'm here to break it. And I'm not only here to break it for me, I'm here to break it for my whole ancestral lineage. Yes. So we drop in and my mother couldn't love me from day one. And and I know her story and I understand why. And I've spent so many years in therapy and spiritual work that I totally forgive her. But she's still alive, 97 years old. Wow. And when I see her, she's still, her first words to me are critical and harsh and mean, you know? And I have to go, all right, mom, I love you, soul to soul. And I have to keep trying to shift into that higher perspective with her. But I know that when she crosses, you know, she's going to see her life, her soul review. And she had a hard life, no doubt about it. And she's going to see the parts that she could have loved better. And then I'll be totally willing and open to communicate with her and and but have the mom maybe that I wanted to have once she's in spirit, you know? <laughs> oh, that's kind of cool idea. I'm going to contemplate that, you know, because I, I did break away from my mom. Uh, I started in my 50s when I was in um, a master's program, a spiritual master's program, uh, and recognizing that I hadn't been living my life. I'd been living the life she thought I should live, you know, all that, all that Michigash, right? And the more I broke away, which happens with people that are involved with narcissists, the more you break away, the tighter they hold you, right? Yeah. And she did not like my removing my energy from her. And so she <laughs> she finally, uh, she started to get dementia, which is a whole other thing, right? Uh, and, uh, but she was very clear in her psychic attacks on me yeah. by the time. And she did one more psychic attack. I, I had I had developed good, strong boundaries. She did one more psychic attack and I stood up and and I said, that is it. You yeah. never get to do this to me. And within about four days, she died. Suddenly. And here's what I want to say about those psychic attacks is that love is always stronger. And it's not only about standing up and saying, you can't do this, which is good, but also it it ruins their whole energy field when you say, I see you as a soul on a journey doing the best you can with all of your pain and your fears, and I love you completely and unconditionally as that soul, and until we meet again, I will hold you until we meet again in the divine, I will hold you in that knowingness of pure, unconditional love that diminishes anything negative they could send your way. Now, see, thank you for saying that. And, and I I know there's people listening that are going to get huge value out of that. I guess I got some work to do, Sue. <laughs> no, we all do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Yesterday, my goodness. You should have seen me, Susan, just to be real here. I got back from a trip, and next week I'm leaving for a trip because I'm speaking. I'm so excited. I'm speaking at the International Association of Near-Death Studies, and I'm so happy. Wow. That. I got a huge affirmation on that, so oh, just by the so way. I mean, I, it's going to be, it's, that's 
fabulous. Yes. So go but, on. But, you know, as a good Virgo girl, I'm all concerned about getting my clothes cleaned at the cleaners and then being able to repack and everything. And so I go to the cleaners to pick up my clothes and they lost one of my beautiful black wool and Taylor pants that I love wearing at these events with a jacket. You know, <laughs> I still love my clothes, you know. And and I was like, how could you lose it? I dropped it off yesterday, <laughs> you know. And and so I just kind of went to my total negative place. And and then I drove home like angry. And I got home and Jean said, my husband, Sue, really? You're going to let a pair of pants ruin your day? And I was like, wow, you're right. I'm letting a pair of pants <laughs> ruin my day. And I had to pull my energy up. The world is constantly like that. Constantly, when you're least expecting it, is when it oh yeah, it's the most, you know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and what you're saying is to love through it anyway, to it's expand. That there's some sort of divine order. Like I was driving home thinking, well, you know, maybe those pants didn't look as good on me as I thought they did. You know, like <laughs> I was I was trying to find the divine order in it. You know. Or maybe I was planning to wear them to the conference. Maybe that wasn't the right outfit or the right choice, you know. And so I was already kind of reaching for, all right, show me the higher order of it. But I hadn't cleared that anger and blame out of my heart yet. And it was kind of when Jean said that, that I began to do that. Um, but, you know, life here is tough because we have one foot in the physical. We have to have nice clothes if we're going to give a talk, right? And then, Absolutely. You know, we have one foot in the spiritual that's always going, oh, it's a different way to look at this. It's your choice. <laughs> and there's times when human anger is just the most powerful thing ever. And, and, and it's so hard to override it. Yeah, or convert it, or right? convert it. Yeah, convert it into uh, into uh, because you talk about that with your grief, converting, converting the grief. I use the word converting. You, you. That's a great word. <laughs> but, but but you know because because you can sit in a in a bucket of grief all your life. I I have grief that pops up all the time, and I'm like, oh, here it comes again. Here it comes again. And you know, and some of it's not my grief. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's ancestral grief. It is. But and you talk about how converting that grief opens your heart. Yeah. I, I love that. Well, you know, grief, I believe is our biggest pain here, our hardest lesson and whether it's grief of career, grief of a lover who broke your heart or grief of a, someone who's in who's departed, all of that goes right to the heart. You can't intellectualize it. You can't you know, keep it from hurting you, it's going to devastate you. And when it does, your prayer has to be, open my heart, help me feel this pain deeply and release it through my heart chakra. I teach a meditation of doing this and release it out through my heart chakra up to the divine realms and transform it to love. But help me feel feel it on the way out so I can heal it. That I, I love that. And, and you wrote that in your book to everybody. Yeah. So when you get Sue's book, that that meditation is in there as well, because it, it's a it's a, a variation on the Tonglin yes. meditation of drawing, of bringing in the pain and feeling it specifically so you can transmute it. Yes. yes. And I have walked through days of my life, especially my 30s, and I'd even say early 40s, 
where grief was so present for me. I lost, gosh, I lost my husband, my best girlfriend, my father, a best male friend. I mean, I could name the list for you in my 30s and it would just blow you away. And so there were days in my 30s I was working as an editor, writing stories for a health magazine um, and, you know, trying to look professional and go to work during the day. And all I could do was cry. And so I would have to learn to wake up early in the morning, do that meditation and cry first thing in the morning so that I could actually get through a day at the office without having tears coming down my face while I was at a meeting, right? And then at the end of the day, I'd go home and sit down and, and feel it again and cry it out. And there are times when we're in raw grief where we have to acknowledge that pain and feel it every day, cry it once a day, or we're not going to be able to go on with our life. Yes. And and so many people, uh, fortunately, there's people like you that are leading workshops on grief and how to, how to convert it and, and how to welcome it. So you can get through it. Um, whereas, you know, I don't know, 50 years ago, there re really wasn't that. Well, if anybody's lost a child, I want to give a shout out to a nonprofit organization called HelpingParentsHeal.org. The founder is a woman named Elizabeth Boisson. She lives here in Arizona. I met her when we moved here in 2018. And she teaches a whole different kind of recovery from grief. If you've lost a child, it's dedicated to grieving parents. And from day one, it's about, all right, well, let's try to connect with our child. What are the signs and experiences you've had from your child since they cross? And many moms show up in that, gr that group and they go, I've been going to traditional grief groups for a year and it has done nothing for me. And they suddenly go to Helping Parents Heal, and they are completely changed and uplifted. And I get to be part of that. I get to work with those women and speak to those groups. And to me, it's the highest vibrational group in the world right now. It's international. Oh, my God. that's what, Well, I'll have that in our show notes so people can access it. Um, there's, And that's interesting that you brought that up because as I was perusing your book, I got caught on uh, where you say that when souls cross early, like like your husband, Paul, it's because their mission has been completed. And you even spoke specifically about when children yes. uh, die early, it isn't, it, it's not to leave you, or well, it is to teach you, give you an opportunity to grow and learn. But um, it's also because their mission was complete, whether they were in utero or right. a year or two old. And they are highly evolved souls, always. Any child who comes in and agrees to leave early is a highly evolved soul. Many of them are angelic souls that come from the angelic realms and, and don't even want to stay on earth, not in their conscious mind, but in their, um, in their soul's wisdom. So many of the moms I talk to who've lost their beautiful children, they say, I always had this sense that I was going to lose my child early. I just had this intuitive sense of it. And they talk about their child and you realize, wow, that was such an advanced soul, that child. I mean, in a way, let's be grateful that they stayed as long as they did. You know, there were several exit points they could have even taken earlier and their souls stayed as long as they could. I work with these moms every day. In fact, last week I was working with 
this beautiful, um, beautiful child in the divine, and he crossed at 15 years old, very gifted musician, gorgeous kid, and he went to sleep one night with no health problems and crossed in the night. And his parents, as you can imagine, were devastated. They're like, what? You know, we had this gorgeous, healthy child with all this talent, and then he's gone. And so they found Helping Parents Heal, and I'm so grateful they did, and they found me. And their son comes through, I can even see him right now as I talk about him. He has so much to say about this. And he says, first of all, that a soul who leaves early is always from the angelic realms. We should oh, be wow. very honored that we spent time with them. And they. And he also says that if a, if a child is deeply gifted with music or artistic stuff when they're quite young, it also always means they're from the angelic realm. Doesn't mean they've chosen to leave early, but it means they came in from the angelic realm. And the kids are helping humans on earth learn these things. Like there's a whole collective of beautiful souls on the other side that are these children who are, really know what's happening here on earth, and they are trying to help us. Thank you for sharing that because, wow, and <laughs> yes, and oh my gosh, because um, I have friends that have, you know, had miscarriages and or the, lost a child and things like that and it and it always feels like um there's a piece of their soul that got diminished oh yeah the, the, the parent but that's not necessarily true right well send them to helpingparentsheal.org you know the thing about it is in the grief traditional psychology and I have a bachelor's in psychology, so I get to kind of be critical of psychology. And I've also been to many therapists over the years. They pathologize talking to spirit. They pathologize saying that I still have my child with me and my child tells me these things. And psychology says, oh, you've got to let go of that. You've got to realize your life is different now and you've got to move on. That is ridiculous. <laughs> and that doesn't help any grieving no, person. No, it doesn't. And so when they find a group like Helping Parents Heal and they go, oh, wow, there's 27,000 grieving parents around the world who are part of this, who are all connecting to their children, who are learning a whole different way of viewing death and, and healing and being filled with joy about it, suddenly now a grieving parent might go, in fact, my friend Carol, who lost her beautiful 18-year-old son, she joined Helping Parents Heal, and she said she was so devastated she hadn't showered in months, you know, and a friend dragged her into this Helping Parents Heal group, and she looked around at these joyful, happy, beautiful women, and she said, I want what they're having, whatever it is. <laughs> and now she's a big part of Helping Parents Heal. I want everyone to have that. I don't care if you've lost your husband or your mother or whoever it is. You have to know that they are with us in spirit. They're trying to help us. It's only our stubborn ego, our monkey mind, that keeps us from knowing that 24-7. Yeah, yeah. I, I am so with you there. I totally, totally agree. So also in your book, Through a Divine Lens, just to wrap up a bit, um, you have several uh stories well soul stories you call them 
yeah. of um, different individuals and you share the, the process you take them through for them to uh, to kind of heal, recognize what it is they're here to learn and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, is that also, does that come from uh, doing regression work with them? Yeah. So just like all of us, I've been learning and growing constantly. Like I just became an ordained minister at 70. So, and <laughs> part of my, yeah. So part of my learning was I became a soul regression therapist in my 60s taught by the amazing Dr. Linda Bachman at the Raven Heart Center. She was a psychotherapist, PhD psychologist for 40 years, and then suddenly had connection with spirit and thought she was losing her mind and then changed up her whole life. And now she's a soul regression therapist and a teacher of that. So I trained with her and she taught me to guide people through relaxation and meditation into a significant past life, especially with their departed loved ones, so that they could see how they've been in relationship with this soul for many lifetimes. And then after that, we experience that, we go to the divine realms and talk to our departed and our spirit guide and our council of spiritual teachers and say, you know, please show me what is my arc of learning in this lifetime. And how am I doing on it? And every client I've ever taken gets amazing answers and even gets, you know, I, when I take them in to meet their counsel, the counsel doesn't speak like us. The counsel are so highly evolved. They're part of God consciousness. Their answers are kind of curt, you know, and like, mm-hmm. well, you still have more work to do. And I don't tell my clients that, but every single one of them when they get to the council, those are the kind of answers they get. And when you hear this stuff over and over, you just know it's validation, you know, that there are these different levels of evolved souls on the other side. And our spirit guides are going to be helpful and kind and friendly. But when we meet that council, they're going to go, you know, you still are there to overcome that anger. We need to see some improvement in that area. You know? Wow. <laughs> That sounds like that was is a, a very helpful, uh, very helpful in the sense that you don't have to wait until you cross over to get that you didn't right. get. It, you it's know, like, it's like having the soul review while you're still on the, in the body. And the great part is, I'm not telling the client this; like they are having that experience. I'm just asking them what they're experiencing so we can get it on the recording. Because when they're done with it, they can't believe that they had that. So they have to go back and listen to the recording and go, oh, my God, it was real. I saw my son. I kissed his hair. I felt his presence. And if it weren't on the recording, they would start dismissing it over time, right? So it's always there for them to go back and listen again and re-remember that they are a divine being and there is no death. Oh, my gosh, Sue. That's amazing. I, I I am so grateful that you are here doing the work that you do. I, I got chills. I am I am just deeply grateful that you've done that and you've written this book because this is a really uh, everybody it's it's the way she writes, it's lovely to read. It's it's lovely to read. And I, I got that from the very first uh page, you know, I was like, oh wow, this is really cool. Um, is there anything else as we finish, 
Anything else uh, you want to say as a, just to put a button on it? Yeah. I just want to tell everybody out there that life is hard. Please don't blame yourself when you're in a negative place. Just feel it. Just allow yourself to cry and experience the pain of the earthly realm. And when you're ready, ask an angelic being or a guide or departed loved ones to lift you up, help you have a better day, help you see things differently, and trust that whatever comes to you then is from the divine. Thank you so much, Sue Frederick. Okay, the book is called Through a Divine Lens, Practices to Quiet Your Ego and Align with Your Soul. And uh, again, I'm having chills because we both said before we started recording, we're curious what's going to come out of our mouths. This was a luscious, juicy conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.